Welcome to Iconic Talk. This is your community's podcast with conversations about real estate, local happenings, and all things Winchester, Virginia. My name's Mark Francis, a local realtor, broker, and owner at Icon Real Estate. I am always excited to share everything that I know and others around me know about Winchester, Virginia with you. We want you to be an informed, savvy real estate consumer in today's ever-changing market. If you want local knowledge, you've come to the right place. Welcome to our special Thanksgiving Day episode. It's exciting to know that we release you know, our, our episodes every other week now, and how this time, on, especially when we release on Thursdays, it falls on Thanksgiving. So excited about that. Thanksgiving Day and uh, the season is one of my, probably my favorite holidays. Um, it's just a neat opportunity to unwind, have a couple days off, hang out with friends, family, um, you know, try to not think about too many work-related items, and uh, enjoy good food, enjoy football. It's just a neat day all around. And so for today's episode, I'm going to get a chance to focus on that Thanksgiving day. We're going to do just a little different things here, maybe not focus as much on real estate particularly. But I heard a, a radio show many years ago do something similar where they recounted the, uh, the story, the narrative of Thanksgiving, and I felt that it was meaningful. And I, I found a, uh, just a, a brief synopsis of it actually on the, the History Channel has a website, um, a web page that was linked to Thanksgiving. And uh, it just seemed to, to be very clear and concise. Now, I will preface this with the idea that, um, especially in our culture today, um, with just recognizing different um, atrocities and different oppressions and inequities that have happened over the years, that some people are not as fan of, of Thanksgiving as, as I am. <laughs> just because of what has happened in our country since. So I appreciate that perspective and I understand that. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't discount the heart and soul of what goes behind the idea of what can we be thankful for. And I love to take those times and opportunities to, to think about what can we be thankful for. And depending on where you are in your season of life, uh, you know, there could be difficult times. There could be financial stresses, health concerns. There could be um, job worries. There could be in uncertainty with politics or the real estate market even or making good decisions. You still have so many things that I, I believe you can find that you can be thankful for. And that's, that's just my personal opinion. I believe that 100% that there is always something that you can be thankful for. Um, and so for me, I'll just share my family and I today, we're going to be celebrating, but we're also going to be having a season of uh, difficulties because I've talked uh, about some of my personal life uh, over the many years I've been doing this episode, this podcast. And so for this episode specifically, uh, I'm just going to share that my grandmother who lived with us for a year did pass away um, a couple weeks ago. And yeah, it certainly is difficult. She was 91. She lived an amazing life. And, and yet today as a family, we're going to get a chance to just have a small little celebration of life service. And so for those of you guys that know me and even met her, um, you just, uh, she is an amazing woman, lived a great life, had that, um, that kind of 
just harshness to her that she called herself just tough because of going through the, the depression and the war um, that, that brought her and led her to just who she was today. And uh, just a super nice lady. I loved having her live with us for the year that she was here with us in, uh, in Winchester. Um, but 91, um, my grandmother, Joyce Masaryk, um, we will be celebrating her life today as a family. So even in difficult times, even in times like that of even death, I believe that we can find things to be grateful for and celebrate. Hence this episode today. Well, I'm going to read this and I'll try to do it in a compelling way um, that'll just give a little history lesson in perspective. And um, I will also throw in there, and I think I shared with this either last year or two years ago, that I have a family member, a great, great, great family member, talking about family, um, who was a part of this entire scene. Um, so I'll pause and I'll give a little bit of unpacking of what that is when I get to that spot. But you think about Thanksgiving in September of 1620, a small ship called Mayflower left Plymouth, England, carrying 102 passengers, an assortment of religious separatists sinking a new home where they could freely practice their faith and others, individuals lured by the promise of prosperity and land ownership in quotes, the new world, right? So after a treacherous and uncomfortable crossing that lasted 66 days, they dropped anchor near the tip of Cape Cod, far north of their intended destination at the mouth of the Hudson River. So one month later, the Mayflower crossed Massachusetts Bay, where the pilgrims, as they are now more commonly called, began the work of establishing a village at Plymouth. There, So throughout, that, that was early on in September. So throughout that first winter, um, it was brutal. Um, most of the colonists remained on board of the ship, believe it or not, where they suffered from exposure and scurvy and outbreaks of contagious diseases. Um, only half of the Mayflower's original passengers and their crew lived to see their first New England spring. Wow. In March, um, the, the remaining settlers moved ashore where they received an astonishing visit from a member of the Abenaki tribe who greeted them in English. Several days later, he returned with another Native American, Squanto, a member of the Pux... Uh, I'm going to get this word wrong. Puxtaket tribe. I'm just I'm butchering those words. Sorry about that. Who, who had been kidnapped by an English sea captain and sold into slavery before escaping to London and returning to his homeland on an exploratory ex expedition. So Squanto taught the pilgrims who were weakened by malnutrition and illness how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple trees, catch fish in the rivers, avoid poisonous plants. He also helped the settlers forge an alliance with the Wampanoag, Wampanoag local tribe where he endured there for another 50 years and remains one of the sole examples of harmony between European colonists and Native Americans. So that's kind of the, the traditional picture that has always been painted in history books, right? We, we never can really truly tell um, what may or may not have happened there, but that's the picture that we love to hear about Thanksgiving. Now, again, all the potential um, things that the settlers brought with their guns and their diseases and their their potential desire to conquer a nation and conquer land. Um, take that with a grain of salt, obviously, 
But the, the concept here um, then goes into this part of the story. In November of that following year, 1621, the Pilgrims' first corn harvest proved successful, and Governor William Bradford organized a celebratory feast and invited a group of the fledgling colonies and Native American allies, including the Wampanoag chief Massasoit. And so it's now remembered as America's first Thanksgiving. You know, although the pilgrims themselves may not have used that term at the time, the festival lasted for three days. So while there's no record of uh, the first Thanksgiving's exact menu, much of what we know um, about happens at the first Thanksgiving comes from a chronicler, Edward Winslow, who was there. So he wrote this. He says, historians have suggested that many of the dishes were likely prepared using traditional Native American spices and cooking methods because the pilgrims had no oven and the Mayflower sugar supply dwindled by the fall of, of 1621. The meal did not feature pies or cakes or other desserts, which have become the hallmark of that. So he's basically talking about the origins there of what the, the meal looked like. So putting pause there on the, on the pilgrims, um, thinking about how half of them died is, is amazing. So my family member, um, his name is John Alden. And if you are old enough like me and you were older and you went through uh, you know, history lessons, or whether it be Virginia history, or just those old American history um, workbooks, school books, you might have heard of him. Um, so here's, here's some details about him. He was one of uh, the crew members of that first forage in the Mayflower, and uh, came from Southampton, England, as the ship's cooper, uh, responsible for maintaining the ship's barrels. He was a member of the ship's crew, not necessarily a settler, yet he, he decided to remain in Plymouth when it landed um, instead of returning to England. So he was a signatory. He was a signatory to the Mayflower Compact. So he signed on that Mayflower Compact agreement. He married a fellow Mayflower um, whose passenger, her name was Priscilla Mullins whose entire family perished in the first winter at Plymouth Colony. That's amazing. So to think that uh, someone's entire family died during that first winter, and she survived, and she ended up linking up with John Alden, and that marriage um, of the young couple became prominent in the Victorian popular culture, even after 1858, where the publication of Henry Wadsworth Longfell's fictitious narrative poem, The Courtship, of Miles Standvish uh, occurred. So that book inspired widespread pictures and depictions of John and Priscilla Alden in art and literature in the 19th and 20th centuries. That's, that's kind of cool. And, and as a family, um, uh, several years ago, we went up to um, Plymouth when we were visiting uh, Cape Cod and New England area. And uh, there is a store called the, the John Alden uh, store with a souvenir shop, I think is what they called it. And I had all kinds of cool things there. And yes, his, um, he ended up dying, um, at 89 years of age, um, in 1687. So he lasted a good long time and they ended up having 10 kids, 
um, was assistant governor, a deputy governor. Um, obviously, the Cooper um, was what he originally came across for. So that that's a little bit of history um, from my family member, John Alden. So continuing on with the story of Thanksgiving, um, the Pilgrims held their second Thanksgiving celebration in 1623 to mark the end of a long drought that had threatened the year's harvest and prompted Governor Bradford to call for a religious fast. So days of fasting and Thanksgiving on an annual and occasional basis became common practice in other New England settlements as well. During the American Revolution, the Continental Congress designated one or more days of Thanksgiving a year, and in 1789, George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the national government of the U.S. In it, he called upon Americans to express their gratitude for the happy conclusion of the country's war of independence and the successful ratification of the U.S. Constitution. His successors, John Adams and James Madison, also designated days of thanks during their presidencies. So a trend is becoming to take precedent here. And then in 1817, New York became uh, the first of several states to officially adopt an annual Thanksgiving holiday, each celebrated on a different day. Um, however, the American South remained largely unfamiliar with the tradition. Um, but in 1827, a noted magazine editor and prolific writer, Sarah Josepha Hale, um, she's an author, among countless other things. She had a nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> she launched a campaign to establish Thanksgiving as a national holiday. For 36 years, get this, for 36 years, she published numerous editorials and sent scores of letters to governors and senators and presidents and other politicians, earning her the nickname of the Mother of Thanksgiving. And then finally, Abraham Lincoln heeded her request in 1863 in the middle and the height of the civil war. Um, he made a proclamation entreating all Americans to ask God to commend to his tender care, all those who have become widows and orphans, mourners or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of the nation. So he scheduled Thanksgiving for the final Thursday in November, and it was celebrated on that day every year. Actually, until 1939, when FDR moved up the holiday week in effort to uh, spur on retail, retail sales during the Great Depression, Roosevelt's plan um, was met with opposition. And so by 1941, um, the president reluctantly signed a bill making Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday in November. So it certainly has... Um, in many households, uh, I'm continuing to read this article here, the Thanksgiving celebration has lost much of its original religious significance, um, instead centers on cooking and sharing a bountiful meal, and turkey obviously is associated with it. But you, you, you think about um, today, nearly 90% of Americans eat the turkey bird. <laughs> <laughs> whether they roast it or bake it or deep fry it, according to the National Turkey Federation. What an amazing, cool story. So there's the history behind um, the holiday. And again, uh, as we may have lost the religious significance of it, of giving thanks to God, we can still um, remember and be thankful for our lives, um, what's happened over the last year, how we 
do have many things to be thankful for. And, and again, even in my family's time of potential, just uh, a little bit of dealing with our loss, we have so many things to be thankful for. Um, and I hope you guys do too. Uh, I believe that there's, um, ways that you can celebrate those things. And I, hopefully you guys have traditions in your household that you go around and, and do these things. And maybe my family tradition will, will carry on some sort of significance as we celebrate my grandmother today. But um, needless to say, I, I believe that throughout all the controversy of what Thanksgiving is and how it symbolizes and might be masking different um, atrocities around our country, I do believe that we are blessed to, to live in this era that we have today. I believe that we're blessed to live in Winchester, um, if you're listening and living in this area, because it's just such, such a great town, rich in history, rich in tradition, and rich, as you've always known on this podcast, and many episodes will tell this, in the people who live here in this town, who carry out the day in and day out um, just business of life to make the town go around. Uh, whether you are a, a, a waiter, a driver, a teacher, a hospital worker, um, a realtor, a lawyer, you go, a retail store operator, you go down the list of all the different things and jobs that people have to facilitate our town, just take a moment and thank them. Take a moment and say, I appreciate you, and that will uh, that'll put a smile on them, and it'll put a smile on you, and uh, you can be filled with um, love on the day of Thanksgiving. Man, I'm getting super cheesy, but I hope you guys hear what I'm saying. Well, as we um, look forward to the, uh, the season of Christmas, um, hopefully you guys get a chance to watch the, the Macy's Day Parade and Santa Claus appears at the end of that parade. Winchester, believe it or not, has our own parade to think about as well. So segueing to our uh, our upcoming events, I'm going to highlight just two things. The first is this coming Monday is the Winchester um, Christmas tree lighting and Christmas parade. And if you've never been to it, it's fun. It's amazing. And hopefully we're going to have some nice weather. Um, looking forward to it. I, I do believe that there's going to be decent weather coming up on this Monday. It might be a little cold, but I don't see rain in the, in the predictions there. So dress appropriately, get your hot chocolate, um, and come on out to the, the tree lighting and Christmas parade um, because it's just fun. And yes, Santa Claus does appear at the end. Yes, there is a tree downtown that get a chance to light and um, just join in on the, the fun small town celebration of celebrating the upcoming Christmas season. And then when we do enter that Christmas season, probably one of the biggest uh, activities and events around the Christmas season um, that I know of, people flock to it from miles and miles away. It has become a tradition around here is Fellowship Bible Church's Follow the Star. You've probably seen signs around town, little yard signs that say Follow the Star and gives the days and times, December 2nd, December 3rd. It's on the campus of Fellowship Bible Church, 3217 Middle Road. Um, it's an outdoor live nativity experience where you get a chance to, to see in real life the Christmas story get unpacked, and it is free. You don't need tickets. Just arrive and arrive on time or whenever you can um, between 5 and 8 o'clock on either of those two dates. 
um, you will have an experience that you won't forget if you've never experienced it. It ends with a, uh, a tent, so you can warm yourself if it's a cold night in the, in the warm uh, tent that's going to have hot chocolate, cookies, music, and uh, just a neat overall time. Two nights there, Saturday night and Sunday night of that week, December 2nd and 3rd. So those are opportunities, and there's plenty of other things that we'll talk about next episode where Christmas season is among us. Um, but those are the things, obviously, right now that make sense to highlight. Well, thank you once again for uh, you guys, the listening audience of Iconic Talk. Continue to share your feedback with us. We'd love to, to know what's going on in your world, in your life. We have a lot of good episodes coming up down the road that I'm excited to, um, to interview more people in town, whether they have to do with real estate items where we can educate you or whether it comes to people in our community that it just makes sense for you to be exposed to who they are and what they do. Um, again, people are what make the, the town, what make the world go around. So I hope you learned something from today's episode. Really look forward to sharing more with you in a couple weeks. Remember, when you look for a real estate professional, make sure they are experienced, innovative, personal, dedicated, and available. I really appreciate you taking um, your time to listen to our episodes um, and just taking the valuable time to, to give us that attention. And we would love it if you'd take a moment to subscribe, uh, share this podcast with your friends, let them know that we can be found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our editor extraordinaire, Simeon Vitalia, and our social media queen, Liv Gordon. Until next time, think iconic.